feel like I could go home already. I already had church. <laughs> Don't leave. I'm not done. <laughs> um, uh, there's been uh, a lot of changes, obviously, after my uh, dad went to be with the Lord and uh, stepping into this position and um, just trying to navigate all the responsibilities. Um, I have brought on uh, an executive admin position to help me, and this person will, I'm trying to give them at least some of what I did for my dad when he was there. I'm trying to uh, help them be that position for me, which is a lot of responsibility and, and a lot of help. So, uh, Deborah, would you come up here? I'd like to introduce you to everybody and pray over you. Deborah has been with us for about three years, and she is our Bible College graduate. Um, she excelled in so many things. Every time I would ask her for something, she always excelled, went above and beyond, and uh, also realized that she has strengths where I've got weaknesses. And that's kind of the blend you need, right? So um, it, it is a lot of responsibility, but she will be communicating. I always say to all the people, if you get an email from her, think of, think of it as it's coming from me. So uh, please uh, respond accordingly. But I'd just like to pray over her because it is a, uh, a position that she feels called to that I feel like God brought us together for sure, that we can grow together. And as the ministry grows, um, uh, I told her, this is just, don't think this is all there is to the job. It's just starting. <laughs> but uh, pastors, if you gather around me just real quick, we're going to pray over, anoint her, and uh, congregation, if you'll stand with us in faith. Father, I thank you for this beautiful soul that you have brought to join with me in this mission, Father, that you've given us, the promised church and everything else that you've laid out for us. God, I thank you for her unique abilities and talents that you've placed in her for this particular time and purpose. I pray for clarity of mind, Father, for creative thoughts and ideas, God, that can help and propel us forward. God, I thank you for the peace that rests upon her, Lord, and I thank you for the anointing that's already inside of her that rises up big during this time. Lord, that you'd give her uh, ways to solve problems, God, but that during all of the stress that we have to walk through, God, that you would give her peace abundantly. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you, Frank. Awesome. All right. Um, so I was watching the show on Netflix called The Crown. If anybody's seen the movie, the show, The Crown. So what it's about, it chronicles the life of Queen Elizabeth II from when she's first crowned, when she's like in her early 20s, basically back in the 1940s. And it goes through all the dramas, the wars, the political stuff that happens, uh, relationships, all of that up into modern times. And of course, there's, there's liberties taken to make the show because they didn't know people's private conversations. So there's obviously stuff done to dramatize the series. But I actually really enjoyed the history of it and kind of watching and learning. And uh, it was quite fascinating. Uh, but, you know, towards the end of it, the Holy Spirit began to um, kind of speak to me through this show. And I know what you're thinking. You didn't know God could use Netflix. But he can use anything to talk to you. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal these, these deeper truths to me. Because, see, the queen uh, in the show and in real life, she was all about protecting the monarchy. Her every move, her every decision, her every conversation, the way she carried herself, everything 
she always had the interest of the crown in mind. The way, uh, the standards that she held herself to, the standards that she held others to, the way she conducted herself, even the, the, what she wore, the, the words that she would speak, what she would release to the press, everything that she did, even to the point of uh, not allowing her sister to marry the man that she loved because of their rules, she was all about protecting the interests of the, monarch, the monarchy, the, the, the people, the foreign territories, everything that they were in control of, this is what she devoted her life to, was protecting the people and the monarchy and basically the crown. And the Holy Spirit began to show me that there's this, there was this correlation, there was this understanding between what she was doing, what she did for her life, and God's kingdom. So when you think about Jesus, when you think about Christianity, when you think about the gospel, do you think it's a religion? Most people would classify it as. That's what they would put it as. If you had to ask the average day person, Jesus, the message of the gospel, Christianity, is it a religion? Most people would say yes. And this is why we have people who add Jesus to their life. This is why you have people that say, I go to church on Sunday. I'm a Christian. That's what Christianity means to them. It's a religion where they've just simply added Jesus to their life. They've just simply, this is what I do on Sundays. On Sundays, I go to church because this is what we do. I go to church on Sundays because it's my ticket to heaven one day. I don't want to, I heard there's a hell, I don't want to go, I believe Jesus died for me, he's my savior, so I will go and I will do these things because he's my ticket out of here one day. But is this really accurate? Is this really what Jesus taught? So, go with me down this rabbit trail. Matthew 4 verse 17, what was the first message Jesus ever preached? First would be important. Right? It's his statements. It's his opening line to the world as he begins to preach. What does he say? His moment has come. What does he say? Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, now most people, when they read that, they see repent. They think, okay, well, yeah, that means I got to go and be sorry for my sins. I got to cry. I got to be sorry for what I've done in my past. Well, there's a, that's about one-tenth of what that word means. To be sorry, to want to change something from your past. The word repent actually means to change the way you think about something. Completely change the way you think about something. For instance, you find out, you read the Bible, you find out that you no longer can have unforgiveness in your heart. Jesus says you can't have it. So now you have a decision to make. You have to choose to go, wow, I don't realize that I, I can't do that. So now I have to forgive those people that hurt me. I'm going to change my mind about being able to hold on to the unforgiveness. I'm going to change my mind about being able to hold on to the anger. And I'm going to forgive and I'm going to change. When I change, I free them. And I free myself. That's what repent means. Jesus came to tell them, your way of thinking is not accurate. 
Your way of thinking has kept you in bondage. I'm here to tell you that there's a new way to think. There's a new way to think. You've got to change the way you've been thinking. That's what repent means. It doesn't mean to come to the altar and just cry and say, I'm sorry about yesterday. You can make a change sitting in the seat and never come and cry. Because some people come and cry and they walk out and they do the same thing all over again. I'd rather have you sit there and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's what I want to do. I want to follow God. I'm going to change and I'm going to walk. Then Jesus said, you've repented. And then he goes on to say, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a kingdom. See, the Bible is about a king and his kingdom. Most of us were born in a democracy or a republic. And in a democracy, there's no king. <clears throat> and for clarification, a king is not the same as a president or a prime minister. See, a president doesn't own the land or the people, <clears throat> regardless of what you may think. Uh, <clears throat> but, a, but a king, but a king does. A king actually owns the land and the people. The Bible is about a royal family. I want you to look at the person on your right or your left. That's royalty you're looking at. What you're looking at right now is the royal family. Yes, you might say your highness. Yes, go ahead. This is what you've waited for all along. You are part of the royal family. See, the kingdom of God is not a religion. The kingdom is about a country. In order for you to understand the Bible, in order for you to understand uh, your meaning here, you have to understand, for you to be able to read the Bible and understand it, most people, this is why they get it wrong, because they read the Bible like a history book. In order for you to understand it, you need to understand the government of a kingdom. The kingdom, or any kingdom, has its own laws. It has its own culture. It has its own way of speaking. It has its own rules and, um, and things that it abides by. It has its own way of doing things. So when King Jesus came, he also set up one of the most well thought out colonization projects. Now, if you don't know what that means, I grew up in South Africa and South Africa was originally a colony of England. So what happened is the English came, basically take over the territory, and then they send people from England to help colonize South Africa. So what they do is they send people in the military, they send business people, they send workers, and what they do is they begin to teach you the ways of the queen. They teach you the laws, they teach you the culture, the way of speaking, how to do tea in the afternoon. You know, they, they begin to infiltrate so that the people in South Africa begin to sound and look like the people in England. 
And with that comes the protection of the Queen of England as a colony. So that's what colonization means. So colonization is an, is an extension of the king's influence over a territory. Now look through your spiritual eyes. Look through your spiritual eyes as I say that again. Colonization is an extension of the king's influence over a foreign territory. God is expanding his kingdom of heaven to earth. Hold on to your seats. Hold on to your seats. God's plan was never to get you to heaven. Don't leave now. I've locked the doors anyway. God's plan was never to get you to heaven. Guess what? You came from heaven. Where do you think the spirit in you came from? God. Release from within him the spirit that comes from heaven into your baby body. You came from heaven. You came from heaven. You were sent to earth to help colonize the earth to make it look like heaven. You are a heavenly being living in an earthly body on a planet called earth. You have to understand this. Otherwise, you'll never read the Bible properly, and you'll never understand what your purpose is here. The reason we have so many people confused in the world, confused with their gender, confused with their identity, committing suicide like they do, is because nobody's ever told them you're actually here on purpose. That you were actually sent from heaven to help colonize the earth to help it look like heaven again. You have a purpose. You are here by design. This quote sums up best what is a kingdom. Listen to this and think about, think about God when you think about this. What is the, a kingdom's definition? A kingdom, it is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intent, producing a citizenship of people who reflect the king's culture nature, values, and morals. To sum it up, a country where the citizens reflect the king's lifestyle. I'm going to read it again for good measure because I don't think you heard it. <laughs> a kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intent. Producing a citizenship of people who reflect the king's culture, nature, values, and morals. A country where the citizens reflect the king's lifestyle. Come on. That's what it means to have heaven on earth. So what was God's plan? How did he plan to do this? How did he plan to colonize the earth? Let's look back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. All the way back to the beginning. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, 
over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The Bible was not written in English. The, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. So when you take a word and you look at it in the Hebrew and you translate it into English, it can oftentimes have multiple meanings or a deeper meaning. So that word in that scripture, dominion, in the Hebrew is hrada. And when you look at the definition, we'll put that up for me. When you look at the definition of rada, it means to rule, to reign, to have sovereign or supreme authority, the power of governing and controlling. So when God put Adam and Eve on this earth, he said, I am giving you rulership. I am making you to reign over the earth. I'm giving you sovereign who has sovereignty kings and queens, royalty, I'm making you sovereign and supreme authority, the power to govern and control the earth. Guys, God gave us the dominion, the power and authority to rule and reign on the earth. Now, you know what? That might sound pretty amazing. You look at that, you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. But the flip side of that is whatever happens here, is our responsibility. What he's saying is, you can no longer blame God for poverty. You can no longer blame God for wars. You can no longer blame God for broken families because he left us here to rule and reign. He said, I'm there. I can intervene when you need me. I can give you the protection. I'm there, like the Queen of England. When you're in South Africa, you have to run the country. You have, to, you have to get on with it. You have to work. You have to run. You have to flourish. But if you get in trouble, Queen, we need your help. We need your backup. We need this. Do you understand that God left us here with power and authority to rule and to reign over this earth? How backwards have we got it? How many times do we act like servants or slaves? I'm not going to go into the whole story, but if you understand, in the Garden of Eden, the apple, the serpent, they gave up their dominion to Satan. God put in a plan, bring Jesus down to the earth to bring, give back our dominion. So when Jesus left, he gave back the rulership to us. More importantly, he didn't just give that to us in the natural. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the power of God inside of us to rule and to reign. And he said, step up, walk in the authority I've given you, not with a big head, but with a big heart. Realize your rule, your reign, your sovereign, supreme authority that you're supposed to walk in here, that you're supposed to have dominion over, all because you're supposed to be colonizing this place to look like heaven. Unfortunately, there's so many people still coming to God like a servant. Oh God, can you just, um, oh, oh master, it's me. Um, I just need some food. I just need some rent money. Please, master, don't beat me. Just give me. And God is like, what are you doing? Imagine if they crowned somebody tomorrow. Have you ever watched like on the TV? Have you ever seen the prince and the princesses walking around? Have you ever seen the way they carry themselves when they get off, how they look, how they operate, how they move? Because they know who they are. They're royalty, not snobbish. They don't have to do it snobbish. It's because of who they are. 
I use this example in Bible college, but when an officer, when a cop, you know, an officer or something, let's say you get pulled over. Okay, let's imagine it's a good cop. We have good, we have officers in our church. So thank you for your service, officers. Thank you. We appreciate you. Um, but let's say you get pulled over. He doesn't say to you, by the power invested me by the state of California and the government, get out of your car. He just says, get out of your car. And his uniform speaks for him. The what he is wearing speaks for him. He doesn't need to say in the name of da-da-da-da-da-da. Do you know who I am? No, he just says, get out of your car. See, some of us get so carried away with, did I say the name of Jesus? Did I say it at the beginning? Did I say it at the end? Did I say it enough times? What? No. If you understand the spirit of Christ that's in you, you would say, get out. Stop. Because I am who I am. I am the authority here. I have dominion. I have rule. You little spinky little demon, are you joking right now? Oh, I, oh, this problem? No, this is going to change because I've been given supreme authority, rule, and dominion, and God has come, caused me to colonize, and if this is getting in my way, this has got to move. It's learning who you are and approaching God like that. More like, Lord, we need to have a, uh, we need to have a meeting. We need to have a meeting because some stuff's going on, and I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm fully seeing what, what I should be seeing here, so enlighten me. This is not begging God, please, I don't understand what's happening. He's like, stop. So God sends you from heaven to earth, and he sends you and your little baby, and you're born, and in you he places all these gifts and these talents and these abilities, and he Gives you a plan and deep in your heart, he puts a purpose. He puts it deep in your heart so your whole life you search for him. Because there's only fulfilled in him. So there's this deep longing of like, ah, oh, this doesn't satisfy me. And so you grow up and as you grow, you, he allows you to walk through hurts and failures. And you fall and you get up and you fight and you love and you grow. And he's allowing this growth to take place so that you grow up to be emotionally healthy. All the while while searching for the king. And then one day you find him and you realize he's a good God. He did all this for me. Now you're ready for your assignment. Now he's ready to show you why you're here. Your purpose, your plan. And everything you've gone through is for those around you so you can help bring them into the kingdom. But sometimes what happens, and this is what our church is, our church is that place to help you find that, to see that purpose, to get you on the track, and to help keep you there. But what happens is, and this happens to many believers as they go down this road, they've discovered him, they're walking with him. But the cares of the world and the things that go on begin to distract us. Because they're saying, oh, the economy is so bad, you're not going to have enough money. Oh, there's famine everywhere, you're not going to have enough food. i got to store up, i got to do this, i got to do this. And look, I'm not putting anything down because Jesus says, be wise. So be wise, look at the signs of the times, make, make preparation. But the problem is, at some point, people get distracted. 
They get distracted while living here on earth and they begin to fall into the trap of prioritizing food, money, land, security, clothing, love, possessions over the kingdom of God. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For unbelievers seek these things. Basically, you're no different. Everybody needs these. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God knows that you need security, land, a house, food. He knows you need all this. And the thing is, He provides for you. If you've looked at your life, you will see God's provision for you. It usually comes in the form of a job. Because he understands the way of the world. And with a job, you get money. Money helps you to provide for your family, for your needs, for your wants, for your desires. So you can buy a car, put gas in it, all the rest. It comes through a job. He actually goes on to say that if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. That's one way to go on a diet. Seriously, though, most people think God's provision means that the money is going to show up in your mailbox. No, he's going to show up with that four-letter word again, work. <clears throat> I love that saying. My dad and I used to say it all the time. God always provides provision for his vision. He's called you to do something and provide provision. And I'm just going to give you my own personal story. I have a... I'm kind of busy right now, a little bit. And um, this, God has been giving me this idea and um, a way to, to bring in extra income because I don't know if you heard, but he's told me I'm going to be traveling this year and I'm going to have to go to Africa and um, all these things. And those things cost money, okay? So God has brought some, this other idea to me of a way to, to create income separately than the church, still staying within my mission and what I do and everything else. Long story short, I've been processing it for a while because it's a lot of work, right? And I'm going, God, you know kind of how busy I am? Like, um, where exactly do I put this, you know? But this is his vision. I've got to do this, so I need to start planning now. So he's already giving me ideas to create the income for what's coming. See, most people would think, well, if he's sending you to Africa, surely there'll just be money. Somebody will just send you money on a GoFundMe for your missions trip. Maybe, but I want to fly business class. <laughs> and I already told the Lord that. I'm royalty. I don't need, no, I can't. Have you, no, my, no, no way I'm sitting 16 hours in economy. It's not happening. See, you guys, you guys are too fake humble. Like, you're fake humble. You're like, oh, I'm good, Jesus. I'll go in economy. No. I was like, Lord, okay, you called me. I'm going. We're going to Africa. I'm going business. Okay, so we need to figure out the finances because I'm not taking it from the church. I'm not touching the church's money, but I will fly business. Watch me. So the Lord starts giving me an idea, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like a lot of work. He's like, what do you want? And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But my point is, so many times, it's like 
you're afraid, like, well, I can't ask God for that. Sure you can. And he'll give you a solution. It's going to look like work, though. If you're willing to do it. The problem is when people get so consumed with the money or the needs that this becomes all you think about. You can't sleep at night. All you're thinking about is this, this, this. And then you get under the false impression <laughs> that you're the sole provider. That you're actually doing it all on your own. That God is actually not helping you. You're in for a rude awakening. He is completely helping you. But what happens is people's lives begin to revolve around their own selfish desires, their needs, their wants. And they become obsessed to the point where they live in anxiety or depression. Or no time for their family. We have to be focused on the crown instead. We have to be focused on his kingdom. I'm not saying you can't have goals. I'm not saying you can't have desires. I can't, I'm not saying you, you, you can't want for a, a nicer house or whatever that. God wants that. But how does Jesus fit in with what you're doing? Where is your heart with this? And you know, the crazy thing is people get so obsessed with making money and doing all this and fame and whatever it might be. And you can't take it with you when you die. I don't know if you know this, but you know, I watch those detective movies sometimes and they go to the morgue and they like pe pull people out of that fridge, you know, and they've got like the white shirt on them and they're, they're like naked with the white shirt and the toe tag. And you can't tell who was the billionaire and who was the homeless person. Because guess what? You can't take it with you when you leave. You can leave a legacy for your children. I've been doing the estate sale uh, with help for my parents. My dad passed away six months ago, my mom three weeks ago. And so we've been doing the estate sale at their house. And um, I was looking at things and, and, and just seeing basically things. And in some ways it's like, wow, they just, there's so little meaning at the end of the day. But what my parents left was a legacy in people. See, their lives counted, not for those things that they had. Sure, an extra few bucks in the pocket. Okay, thanks, Mom and Dad. Appreciate it, of course. But that's not what I'll remember them for. And that's not what you'll remember them for. Because they left a legacy in people. See, there is something that you can send on ahead of you. You can leave behind a legacy, but you can also, the Bible says you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Means what you do here can count for when you get there. And I don't know what a treasure in heaven looks like, but if God says he has got streets of gold, he obviously doesn't think gold is very valuable or important. So what on earth is a treasure in heaven? My mind goes crazy. <laughs> but you know it's going to be good, okay? It's going to be good. You're not going to get up there and be like, is this it? No, you're going to be like, oh, right? So how do we do that? How do we store up for ourselves treasure in heaven? How do we make our life count? We do this by living in your purpose. You do this by honoring the king. You do this by fulfilling your calling and your duties, giving of your time, giving of your resources, your abilities, sharing with others about this kingdom. If you love Jesus, you love people. You'll want to share with them about his great love. And this is what will go on ahead of you. See, being in his part, it, being in the kingdom demands a new way of thinking. You are part of the kingdom. You are here on a mission. You are here on purpose. You, every calling, ability, and gifts and talents you've been given are here for the mission. The problem is that a lot of times when I tell people you are called, they think calling means preaching. Mm -mm. 
Everything that uplifts, that builds up, that helps the human race is from God. The scripture says every good and perfect gift comes down from above, which means every gift, every ability, everything that helps the human race is from God. Satan can't create anything good. Nothing good comes from Satan. So every ability that you have that's good, that's helping the human race is from God. People that help people come off drugs. Incredible calling. Teachers that are helping teach the next generation with the heart of, I want you to read better, write better. I want you to excel in everything God's got for you. Deep calling. A nurse in the ICU that helps people who are transitioning, who helps their families. Serious calling. A construction worker who's building homes so people have places to live. Calling. Ability given by God. See, the tension comes when you can't see your calling in your career. A teacher's mindset should be, man, I just want to help that next generation. I want to educate them and build them up and make them strong and, and help them think and help them write and read and be creative so that they can do everything that they're meant to do. That should be the teacher's mindset, not, I'm doing this for a paycheck. Oh, I got to go to work today. I need the paycheck. I need the money. See, if that's your mindset, you're in the wrong job. If you feel like you're in the right calling for your abilities and talents, then you need to change your mindset and stop saying, I'm just doing it for the money. Because guess what? You will never excel at your job and your calling if your heart is wrong. God cannot promote someone who is not dependable who is not disciplined, who is not responsible because they don't display the virtues, the virtues that he has. See, those are virtues that God has. You can pray all day long. Help me, Jesus. Promote me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. But until you show his virtues, he's not going to promote you. He needs somebody who represents his lifestyle. Because what he's got for you, the responsibility he's got for you, he needs you to be responsible, dependable, accountable. He needs you to be all those things. So you might be going around the same mulberry bush wondering why I'm still stuck here because he's waiting for your character, for you to work on your character so he can promote you to everything he's got for you. It's not just who you are. It's not just the way I am. Oh, I'm just, I'm just tired. I just need more sleep. I just, am, I just don't, I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with, no, no. That's, you have to make the change. God expects you to. Remember, we are here to imitate the king and his kingdom and character matters. As I close, um, when I was in college, I had a, uh, in, in university, it was our last year in university, and I had a friend, and he was joining the Marines, and he actually left a few months. They gave him a break so he could go, and you have to go and do that whole three-month training. It's insane. And I remember he would write letters, because back then, you know, before email, <clears throat> back with Noah's Ark, um, <laughs> just dated myself, uh, we would write letters, and he would write letters, and I mean, I, sometimes I would cry because of like how they were breaking him down, and like the stuff that they would put them through, and, um, but I remember when he came back, he was a different person, he was this, <clears throat> he was this man, he was, he was calm, he was strong, he was focused, he was disciplined, and he was all about the country. He no longer was going to fight to protect 
his wife, his kids, his neighbor, his mom and dad. Because now everywhere he looked was his mom, his sister, his cousin, his friend. The whole country became his family. His mindset changed. You are here to bring heaven to earth. You are on a mission and every person around you is supposed to be in the kingdom. It's supposed to be your family, your friend. This is who you're fighting for. It's no longer me, myself, and I, and us four, no more. No, it's every single person is supposed to be your family. That's why we say our tribe when you come in here. It's because you're all our family. We're doing this for all of us. We're in it together. We're all on the mission. We have to begin to imitate him. But you can't imitate him if you don't know him. How can you imitate a person you don't know? How can you mimic a lifestyle you've never read about? Reading the scriptures is so, so important because you get to know the king. You get to know the culture. You get to know the values, the morals, the way he thinks so that you can begin to imitate him. And you can, can begin to influence the culture, the kingdom, the morals, the value as you colonize around you with the good news. Next week, I'm going to continue this. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show how you can excel in the kingdom. What is God's standard? What is he looking for? How do you excel in this kingdom? We know our mission. Our mission is to colonize. Our mission is to imitate the king. Our mission is to relay his values, his love, his heart to all those around us. But then what does he also expect from us? How do we excel? That's coming next week. Stay tuned. All right. Let's, uh, let's stand as we close out. Let's just give, a, just give us a second here. Ministry team, if you'd come forward for me. If you... If you heard this and you're like, man, I'm not sure if I've, if I've really submitted my life to the king. I'm not sure if I've really realized that I have to step into his kingdom, that I have to make him Lord of my life. He's not just savior, but he wants to be Lord. He wants to have a relationship with you, but he also wants to be part. He wants you to be in that kingdom. I'm going to give you an opportunity as we close here to have you come forward and speak with one of my ministry team and just tell them, hey, this is new to me. I just need somebody to pray with me. I have some questions, whatever it might be. And they're going to pray with you. God is going to hear you. It says make a public confession of your faith. So sometimes you have to say like that, repent. I'm repenting. I'm not doing it my way anymore. I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it Yahweh, your way, Jesus. So as we close, I'm going to invite you to come down and speak to one of the ministry team. If you need prayer, if you're, if you're believing for healing, if you're believing for finances, if you've got an, something you need prayer for, whatever it might be, our ministry team, as you heard, we're full of faith. We believe that God is a God of miracles. He's a God who makes a way where there is no way. So come down in faith and receive, okay? Love you guys. Jesus loves you more. We'll see you next Sunday. Oops.